It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Madeline McRae, president of MM McRae Coaching and Consulting and CEO founder and chief innovator for HomePro Toolbox. HomePro Toolbox is a digital resource center focused on leveraging rock solid sales, marketing and business education to drive the growth of companies throughout every segment of the home services and improvement industries. Madeline is a former corporate executive and a 3X founder. She has more than 15 years of experience leading, consulting and growing businesses of all sizes from family run to Fortune 500. She understands how to harness the power of people and how to leverage the power of dynamic educational content to catalyze growth. She's taught over 25,000 people and inspires leaders to hit the next stage of their growth, whether it's going from 5K to 45K per month, hitting their first million in sales, or even growing 5, 10, and $30 million plus of revenue a year. Madeline McRae, welcome into the corner office. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. We spoke about a month or so ago and so excited about the work you're doing. And as I mentioned, just before we got started, I've had a chance to listen to a couple of your videos and just seen the excitement uh, to what you add to your clients and we'll want to get to that. But we always kind of like to start, you know, in the early days and, you know, where uh, young Madeline grew up and what her early family life was like. So give us a little bit of a history there. What part of the country you came from and you know, what did mom and dad do, siblings, et cetera? Sure. Um, I love that you start at the beginning. So many people start their stories from the middle and then you lose context of kind of their roots. Right. So I yeah. really appreciate that. Start from mm. the beginning. Um, so I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood in Detroit, just wow. outside of the Detroit airport. So if you ever flown into DFW, you probably yeah. flew over our house. Right. Right. <laughs> My mom still lives in the same home that we grew up in. Cool. Um, youngest of three siblings. And my dad was the primary breadwinner. My mom was a stay-at-home mom for my early years. And um, I actually really loved that. I watched a yeah. lot of kids in my neighborhood come home to empty houses, that latchkey right. kid generation. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I really loved that my mom was always home mm. for us. So cool. How far apart were you and your siblings? Just a couple of years or yep. some, some big gaps? Bam, bam, there? bam. Nope, yeah. just right in a row. All three of us grew up together for better or worse some days. But <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. And what did your dad do for a living? So my dad was an AMP, um, okay. an airline mechanic. So that's yeah. 
hence why we live so close to the airport, sure. which yeah, ironically he didn't easy. work at. <laughs> he worked, <laughs> he worked right? at a freight airline, which was a little okay. bit further away, but we were close <laughs> to the to the DFW just in case, or the DTW just in case. <laughs> cool, cool. What were some of the early takeaways from mom and dad, lessons that you learned? You know, a lot of time with mom at the home with your older siblings, and I'm sure dad, you know, home on the weekends and dinner times sure. and so forth. Any, you know, messaging at that time that you got? For sure. You know, the value of hard work, Mm. um, the value of knowing that you can be or achieve whatever you set your mind to. Um, A lot of really good foundational components of of willingness to get out there and try, Mm. you know, getting back up again when you fall down, um, the value of of creating, um, of having family and creating family connections. Yeah. was really, really prominent. And as we grew a little older, you know, my mom actually worked as she, she called it, she cleaned houses for a couple people. Yeah. But in looking back, you know, my mom was actually the first entrepreneur that I saw, you know, even <laughs> though it. she didn't see it as a business that yeah. way, she didn't look at it that way. You know, she created clients, she created revenue and sure. she, she actually ended up putting my sister and I uh, through boarding school by um, cleaning houses. Yeah, they were really, my parents were, you know, deeply um, Christian faithful people Uh and they wanted us to go to a school that was immersed in Catholic tradition. So they actually sent my sister and I at the young, young age of like seventh and eighth grade off to boarding school in Northern Idaho. So, (laughs) so, but I, I watched her do that. And as a kid, it was a really interesting experience because she said she didn't work. But in looking mm. back, she did, right? Yeah, she did have right. this entrepreneurial. And, you know, if I look back- Maybe she didn't us, think of it as work though too, right? You know, with a goal in mind. Isn't that something that yeah. sometimes makes a difference, right? <laughs> she totally knew she does. was doing it for a, a great cause, sending her children off to school. Yep, she did. And it's funny to think about my very first entrepreneurial entrepreneurial adventure was also a housekeeping gig. Really? Cool. <laughs> yeah, when, when I was about, I would say about eight years old, I wanted this, um, this American girl doll oh, and yeah. sure. it was the baby version, not the standing up kind, the okay. little teeny tiny looked like a brand new baby and it was a hundred bucks. And, oh, wow. you know, yeah. yeah, back in, you know, 1980 something that, That's that was, that was a lot yeah, to achieve sure. for, for a doll. Right? right. And so my mom said, you know, they would pitch in, I don't know, X bucks, we'll say 20 bucks if I raised the rest. And so huh. all summer long, I diligently worked for our neighbor across the street. Right. And I, I would, she gave me a list of chores, like clean, vacuuming the floor, 25 cents, <laughs> dusting the furniture. But, and she had this whole roster of, of things that I could do to earn money. And I worked all summer long and I, I got that, I got that, I earned the baby wow. doll. It was my yeah. very first big purchase. And, um, that Christmas, my mom, who at, actually also is a, um, a seamstress hmm. surprised me with an entire wardrobe for that baby made oh, by hand. My gosh. And wow. it was one of my most prized possessions growing up because it wasn't just, you know, I worked really hard to earn the money for that doll, but then 
I was actually planning to continue to earn money to outfit her, right? Because she had to have all the outfits. It's just mandatory. Just pause a second. There's some great lessons there, you know, this single digit age of eight, you know, having a goal, right? right? Being able to have some encouragement. You know, you didn't have to get the hundred. You'd only have to get 80. So you got a little seed money to get things going. You know, a willing customer that said, you know, I'll work you hard. I'll pay you fairly. But got a lot of stuff for you to do. And you, you know, put your nose down and got it done. And wow, what a great reward. How how amazing is that? And keeping that as a life lesson. Have, Have you found other ways in which to apply that? as you've gotten older and attached new uh, or, uh, you know, gone after new goals? Oh, all the time. I'm, yeah. I'm an extreme goal getter. Right, <laughs> that's, right. that's when I have a goal. Part of me, um, I don't set goals for everything and at all times, yeah. but when I do set them, I go get them. Yeah, so I'm a little bit it. more of a, um, a minimalist on my goal setting okay. because when I, when I set it, I put full force towards getting it. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. What about some other entrepreneurial things you did as a kid? Was was there other stuff that you uh, did? You know, as you as you grew older, I failed forward fast. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I did that's that. Important too. Yeah. <laughs> so two things. Um, one is that when I, I decided I was going to create perfumes out of oh. what was available, which was um, the dead leaves of my mom's plants, because she wouldn't let me pick the live ones. That was a huge no no. <laughs> we were not oh, allowed goodness. to cut her flowers. It's not acceptable. We were each given our own little patch where we could grow whatever we wanted. And if we cut, if we wanted to cut flowers because we wanted flowers, we could cut our own. And my mom was very tit for tat about her gardens. So if we cut one of her flowers without permission, she would go to our garden and cut one of ours. (laughs) (laughs) We learned real quickly. Yeah, that's right. Very, very much so. She was not about the life of us picking off the buds of her plants. That was not going to happen. So, you know, I gathered together all the dead plants, the dead little flowers, and I made these wonderful perfumes and I set out a shop on our front porch and, um, I had zero customers. <laughs> <laughs> Lemonade they wanted, perfume not so much. That's right. And also it was kind of rancid. You know, looking back, I don't know how, why anyone would have even wanted to smell that, even looking at it. I, I have sure. a picture somewhere of me sitting on the porch, my very first shop front, um, extremely unsuccessful. And boy, that was heartbreaking. All the I time bet. and effort into making these wonderful perfumes. Nobody even wanted them. And eventually I, I closed that shop. <laughs> but, but, a, but a good lesson once again, right? Know your consumer, know That's what they right. want, right? You know, Absolutely. for obvious reasons, you can't sell stuff that people don't like. Were or you bad good stuff. Stu- or bad stuff, right. Exactly. <laughs> or bad stuff. Were you a good student in school, Natalie? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. For me, it was A's or nothing. Um, yeah, that was right. it. Just got A's. I cheated on one test ever in my life. Um, it was a spelling test. And yeah. I was so consumed by guilt, even though I didn't get caught, I never did it again. Yeah. <laughs> it was in second grade. I'll never forget that moment. I wrote I the like words that. on my desk in pencil. And <laughs> as they came, I erased them because I, I constantly failed spelling tests. I have very, very um, minor dyslexia. And at the time, mm. completely yeah. undiagnosed. But yeah. so I struggled really hard with spelling. It didn't matter how many times I practiced the words. I couldn't get the letter order correct. Huh. Right. So um, I didn't pa- I didn't fail that spelling test though. <laughs> <laughs> what about other activities? Any sports that you enjoyed? You know, debate, theater, music. You know, I um, I enjoy other people being sporty, and I am just okay. not a sporty kind of gal. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't I don't follow professional sports, and I don't I don't. I've never been good at group sports. In my high school years, I got into volleyball a little bit, um, but I. 
I was more in the choir side of things. Okay. Yeah. Um, music. We took, we took a, um, in our early years before boarding school, we went to school about an hour away from our house. So an hour getting there, an hour getting back. Wow. So a lot of our day was consumed by the commute and we didn't do too many extracurriculars. Oh, so, um, so you weren't a boarder at the boarding school. You actually traveled back and forth every day? Um, no, that was when I was in um, second and third oh, grade. Oh, earlier. Okay, yeah, second, it. third, yeah. and fourth grade. We, yeah. we drove about an hour away for school. Right. And then fifth, sixth, we were closer to home. And then in seventh, in I went seventh to boarding school. Away. What was that like? Gosh, that's a pretty young age. We have 14, 12, 14 years 12. old. Yeah, 12. Yeah, um, yeah. 12. Yeah. 12 going you, on 13. You were the youngest. So was I your was. sister already there when you she started was. going? So that helped a little bit. A little less scary for you right. given that your sis was there. Yeah. Right. And I am um, I was always a pretty independent kind of child. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, bye, mom. Yeah. <laughs> that was always yeah. the attitude. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was See probably ya. like, okay, so when do I get to go to boring school? That's right. right? See you yeah. at Christmas. Yeah. Bye. Um, right. Right. So it was my mom and I um, in my early years, we were a little bit like oil and water. Just mm. very, some, some of it is that our personality traits are similar, but most of it is that we have very different personalities right. and my communication style really clashes with her communication style. And we let me guess, you're up, a little more extroverted and she's a little more introverted, right? Um, a little bit, but it's more <laughs> that she's more of a melancholic. She's a thinker. Ah, she's a muller over and I'm a high, I'm a high D, you yeah, know, I'm yeah. a direct communicator and I'm a teller. So right. often I would tell her things and she wanted to be asked and I and, didn't. And a high D for our listeners who don't know, refer to the disc testing. Right. That, yes. Uh, D mm-hmm. is, stands for dominance, right? If I'm right. mistaken. Really dominance and direct, right? And our, direct, yeah. My tagline is be brief, be bright, be gone, right? Say what there you got to go. say and get out of here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also, I have high, you know, emotional intelligence too. So um, it wasn't until I was probably 16 that my mom understood like, oh, this is who she is this as a is person. Yeah. Oh, I get yeah. it. And we were able yeah. to mend our communication problems, which actually, I would say, saved our relationship in a lot of ways. Because When we, you're probably very different from your older siblings too, right? Right. I mm-hmm. imagine. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I'm, she's, I'm just very different. And she's getting used I, to that different personality set. <laughs> yeah. And I tick differently and I want different things. I've always been a go-getter, you know, do more, be more, and a high achiever. And not to say that they're not, you know, my, my older brother and sister certainly are, but in a very different way, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, when, when it was the decision to go to boarding school, my parents were actually very generous about that. They didn't force that decision on me. Mm. And, you know, we, we're in a very blue collar neighborhood. It wasn't as though going to boarding yeah. school was just an easy financial decision for them. Right. It wasn't, it was quite a right. sacrifice and I knew That's it. it. Yeah. So, um, the choice though was to be homeschooled or to go to boarding school. And <laughs> given the short history I just gave of my, my conflict <laughs> with my mother, there really it was a wasn't a choice. For both of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there wasn't much of an option for me, but, right. you know, homeschooling was just right out, like for so many reasons. And, um, and as it turned out for me, boarding school was a really beautiful um, time in my life. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get really close. There are only about, I would, I think 150, maybe 200 girls in wow. the entire school from was it Was it a Jesuit, Jesuit-based school? It was actually Dominic, Dominican-based. Dominican. Oh, a St. So, Dominic school. That's yeah, right. yeah, St. Dominic yeah. school. Yeah. We actually yeah. um, went to school with, uh, we actually lived with the nuns, the boarders yeah. did. And wow. not all of the 
students were boarders. So there right, were only, right. I don't know, let's say 35 or 40 of us total in the whole school who were boarders. Yeah. And um, it was a, it was a really beautiful experience, built lifelong friendships. I'm actually headed back up to, to see some of my friends uh, this summer. So nice. towards the end of the summer. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really Now, was it a feeder school for Ave Maria University where you went to, nope. to college or how, Not how at did all. you make, how'd you make nope. that decision? Yeah. Um, so that was also followed my sister. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> You guys were a couple, couple years apart. Yeah, Yeah. a year and a half apart. Year and a half apart. Um, And she, um, she had gone to Ave Maria. Um, I actually don't know the story of how she discovered Ave Maria. It was a small, Mm. at the time, it was just a small college located in Ypsilanti, which was about, um, I don't know, maybe twenty minutes from where we, where my parents lived, and, um, and I had planned to go to a completely different school in Ohio. And, um, Mm. I got good scholarships, but not quite enough to cover everything. They covered the academic side, but it didn't cover any of my, you know, living on campus, et cetera. And, um, the financial aid that I qualified for wouldn't cover those expenses. So it was Mm. a little bit of a hairy position. And my mom, after me having been gone away at boarding school for so long, my mom really wanted me to be close to home so I could come home on the weekends and spend time with my family. And, um, as it turned out, uh, I just randomly applied at the very super last minute, you know, like mm. maybe a few weeks before school even started. And I just got in and went. <laughs> it was wow. a pretty last Good minute for decision for all of the preparation that went yeah. into other other options. So, And you yeah. studied English, right? Or English yeah. lit. And, English and lit. did yeah. you have a career in mind at the time that you decided to go to college? Or was it mm-hmm. just, I want to take English and see how this works out? Yeah, no, I, I wanted to be an editor. Okay. Um, I mentioned that my only test I ever cheated on was that spelling test. And uh, I balance yourself there, right? Yeah. And I, I really poured a lot of time and attention into learning how to spell, how to write. Hmm. I love English composition. I love language. Um, hmm. I, someone told me once that they read the dictionary for fun and it was later in my life. And I was like, weirdo. And then I looked <laughs> back at myself and I was like, wait a minute, I used to read the dictionary yeah. for fun. Right. I just had never looked at it that way. Cause I would yeah. be looking up a word looking and up words. Yeah. What does and that then mean? I would, and then look at the synonym and then follow that line. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. and then, yeah, Oh, look at this fun. word. I've never seen that before. Right. And, um, you know, when my sister and I were in college, we used to joke that we knew it was late at night when we'd start busting out the three-syllable words because <laughs> that we were tired and our fatigued brain chose the long words. So that's funny. It. Words are just so powerful and language, the ability that language has to transform something immaterial as your thoughts into something yeah. not only tangible, but communicatable is just like fascinates my brain and always has. Mm. So I wanted to go into editing because I love that process so much. And what I, what I didn't realize is that it's a fiercely competitive field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a la the devil wears Prada. So, right, um, right, exactly. and I was just completely underprepared to, um, to compete. And so I ended up mm. at the Naples daily news in their classified department. And now, was that the first job out of college then? That you yeah. Took, I mean, I had a, you know, yeah. I've had jobs all throughout college. I put myself sure. through college in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I, I had a lot of different jobs throughout, but that was my first, it was a temp job, job. from a temp yeah. agency and it was temp to hire. And right, they right. had me, um, doing the illustrious work of circling ads that advertisers had run to prove that they'd been run. So <laughs> my college degree, hard at work <laughs> right. there. Proof of invoicing, <laughs> right? Proof right. of invoicing. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, 
that department, there were a lot of, you know, legacy employees who they never really updated their skill set. So the fact mm. that I could build an Excel, um, anything in Excel, even like the most simple right. of Excel sheets was mind blowing. And huh. um, I, I was, I was well regarded, but I hated, hated, hated the environment from yeah. a culture perspective. And also from just yeah. a language perspective, you know, everyone is worried about their 35 characters and they were using abbreviations and no sentence structure. And it was just drove me absolutely batty. Um, yeah. Not to mention that the news wasn't wasn't covering any topics of substance, um, mm. and the, and it was all written to a third grade reading level. So all oh the reasons gosh. that I wanted to be in editing didn't apply. So right, that job right. did not uh, was not going to be a long term career for me. And um, just so happened that one day, as I was circling ads, I stumbled across this extraordinarily well crafted ad with real mm. sentences and. It was clear that the the company that was doing the advertising, they weren't caring about how many characters they had. They wanted to attract <laughs> the person, right? right and right. it and it made me. It was the ad I was circling, and it made me stop in my tracks. And I applied for the job as an no, executive kidding. assistant wow. um, to this yeah. just very very startup um, hurricane protection company down in Naples, Florida, because that's where I was living yep. at the time. And yep. and that. I actually ended up with three different offers from three different companies all at once. Wow, and cool. that was the one that I ended up taking. And I have to say it was the, the well-written ad is what really did it for me. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And did you start managing people in that job or, or did that come a little bit later? I did start managing people about, um, yeah. I started as an executive assistant. They were pre-product yeah. and as product okay. rolled in, you know, I was in charge of a lot of different things. I was making up some marketing materials and um, doing a, a lot of process stuff for the owner. And it was clear to me that there were no sales, right? The salespeople that right. they had were actually in real, real estate and they didn't know how to sell B2B to these, um, you know, small business owners. Yeah, so that's actually where I got too. my um, first start in selling B2B. I just yeah, decided cool. I wanted to do it. And I ended up being so excellent at it that I took over the sales department and I brought in their first true sales um, consultant and we were selling to small businesses in the home improvement space. So to other cool. small retailers. And that's really where I fell in love with the world of small business, with the yeah. world of home improvement. And just with that right. gritty, tenacious individual who boldly starts their own business in a, in a home yeah. services front. And it's Fabulous. been, been a love story ever since. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, that was Master Shield, right? And you, you spent yep. a, a few years there and then you ended up at, at is it Somfy? It is. is. How it's yeah, Somfy. Yep. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about them sure. because you had a long career there starting in a, you know, sales position, national sales manager went on to, you know, greater heights. So what did they do? And, and tell us about your career transition. There. Sure. Sure. So Somfy is actually the world leader in tubular motors. <laughs> hmm. okay. It's that very interesting. Section. I know, right. That very highly regarded uh, niche inside of a niche inside yeah. of a niche. Um, so they're, they're considered an OEM supplier to um, manufacturers okay. and right. what they sell are the motors that move things like interior window treatments and exterior rolling shutters and awnings and projection screens, things that go in and out or up and down, the the type of motor that they build is what powers those sort of products. So right. Somfy was positioned to sell tubular motors and, and worldwide they have the most uh, widely recognized brand. Um, 
in motors and controls. So what happened was when I left Maestro Shield and I went out on my own, I actually started my own little repping firm as an independent manufacturer's rep, and I moved to, oh, okay. moved to Texas. And there were uh-huh. tons of brands that had no representation in Texas. So I just went to manufacturers and I said, hey, I know that the dealers down in Texas would eat up this product if we made it available to them. I'll sell it. You pay me a commission you pay me money to represent your brand, I'll yeah. I'll get you into the market. And I had built up my own little business to the place where it completely replaced my salary from Maestro Shield, which was fantastic. Nice. In three months, it was yeah. replacing it in a full, which was fabulous. And wow. um, I was at a place where I either had to hire someone or stop growing. And yeah. I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I was really early in my right. career. I'd only managed a couple of people. I hadn't even considered myself as an entrepreneur. I wasn't even thinking that I was an entrepreneur. And I, I didn't realize that at the time, what I probably could have used was a business coach. <laughs> right. I didn't even know that right. was a thing. But what that, That's going to come later, right. listeners. We'll talk that's, about that. In a that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and I, I was eroding Samfi's market in mm. the Gulf Coast region. Because I was representing an imported motor brand and huh. they didn't have a sales rep in that region at the time. So I was just cherry picking off their best clients. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that Smart. they didn't have that representation. Yeah. I just was boldly calling on the people who were appeared to be large accounts and, you know, and you go get them. Them, right? And, and so exactly. they recruited me really hard. Um, hmm. You can't beat them, buy them. That's the Samfi approach. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they found, found you out. They did. They them. did. And yeah. at first they offered me a position that was not a good fit. And I said, well, come back when you have a real offer. And mm. they they brought me in um, as this um, regional sales manager. And I was managing accounts, not people. But when I interviewed, they flew me up to New Jersey to interview with the CEO at the time, Mike right. Lee. And they he we were sitting across the table from each other. And I said, Mike, you know, for me, this is a lateral move. No, you're not offering me any more money than I'm making on my own. Hmm. I have a lot of freedom and flexibility. The only reason I'm even sitting here is because I'd like to climb the ladder. I hmm. I want the experience of working with the the leading brand, not a you know B brand. I want yeah. I want to be with a market leader. I want that experience, and I want to climb the ladder. So if there's no room to promote me, don't hire me. Yeah. Right. And I said, if right. if in two years I don't have a promotion opportunity, I'll leave the company. Just letting you know. Anyway, right. Yeah. Just let, straight up. I'm Perfect. a very straight direct up. communicator. Yeah, and um, and it, it so happened that I was the most quickly promoted person in the history of their North American um, <laughs> adventures. And I become uh, became great. the youngest member of their strategic leadership team within 18 months of hire. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. It was really cool. Awesome. It was really cool. And yeah. Not too long after that, their um, CEO of the group, it's a billion dollar, you know, worldwide group, became my personal mentor. Oh, and great. yeah, it was, cool. it was an awesome career. Very, very delighted now, with it. Now, you spent about five and a half years there and then decided to really be that entrepreneur. I did. So what, what kind of were the motivations at that time? How did, you know, the arc of your experience kind of, you know, shoot you in that direction? Yeah. So interestingly enough, that mentor I mentioned, um, the CEO of the group, he actually gave me advice that shifted the trajectory of my life a little bit. He, mm. I told him, you know, I, I was in my, um, my late 20s. And I was, you know, staring down 30 or maybe it just turned 30. And I had, I told him I really would like to be a mom. I'd like to have kids. And I said, someday, one day I'd like to like to have kids. And he, he said, you know, Madeline, he said, you know, you're an ambitious person. Your career is going to hold. 
right? You're going to have shelf mm. life. He said, if you really want children, you should do it. You should have children if that's something you really want. Mm. And um, he said, there are many things that you might regret in life. But he said, if you really feel like you want to have children and you don't ever do it because you keep delaying it for your career, he said, I can promise you will regret it. So mm. I I got really serious about about having a baby. And I, um, I was in a relationship. You were married at the time, I hope. I wasn't. I wasn't, actually. <laughs> you, I wasn't. You wasn't? No, okay. I wasn't. Right. I was in a relationship with someone who said <laughs> right. he didn't want to have any more children. He already had older oh. children. And right. so I was actually going to adopt a baby on my own. I was fully oh. prepared to just go through the process. And um, the week I was actually going to meet with the adoption attorney, I found out I was unexpectedly pregnant. <laughs> Surprise! So you know the universe had other plan, other plans for yeah. me, and um, I ended up taking a long maternity leave. And it was during that leave that I realized, you know, I don't really want to go back to my corporate career. I have a lot yeah. more that I can do, and so I kicked off my my coaching career about about a year yeah. after having my son. Yeah. Right. So so the coaching now, did you decide to stay in the same sector? How did you kind of make that decision, A, about coaching and B, in what sector to operate? So I had been paying attention throughout my corporate career to the gap between the business acumen of the corporate team members of the, um, you know, the executive team and the director level right. team and that of our customers. Now, we would have these really high-performing accounts, and a couple of us would travel over to see them, and we'd be like, so let's talk about your KPIs for the year, and the owner sitting across the table for the, and he's like, can you remind me what KPI stands for? And <laughs> and he wasn't joking, you know, and, right. and we all no, kind of felt like, ha, 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 awkward, and we would ask him, we yeah. would drill him about all this, you know, what we would consider really, like, essential business Basic data. Yeah, yeah. Really like setting, right? simple yeah. things. How you measure your, your performance. Even, right? you know, like, yeah. so what are your annual revenues looking like for the year or, you know, how those profit margins and be like blank staring coming back at us, just like blink, blink. Wow. And um, it's not that they're unwilling or um, undereducated or any of that. It's just that their level of expertise, they're, they're the, the, typification of the e-myth philosophy, right? Where yeah. they're absolute masters of their craft and they can, you know, install a window covering, specify whatever it is that they need from a technical standpoint incredibly well. But when it comes to the running of their business, most home improvement professionals didn't intend to, they didn't understand the implications of going out on their own, that they're going to huh. need to hire people and manage people, and they don't have that skill set. So wow. I, I realized that I knew what it took to succeed because I'd been on a unofficial um, internal survey of like, what is, what is, what are successful people doing? Like how are, hmm. how are businesses succeeding? What are their best practices? And I had been just paying attention, watching very carefully for, for well over a decade. And I realized I knew the secrets to success and they're not sure. hard secrets, right? right? They're not, they're not things that only elite people could know. And I felt that I could be a, an equalizer, a democratizer yeah. of success, if you would. Yeah. And, right. you know, and be the bridge between that, you know, large corporate knowledge and business acumen and small business. And so that's yeah. what I set out Sweet. to do. 
I love it. Yep. And for the coming up on a year now, you've you've uh, launched Home Pro Toolbox, mm-hmm. where you've really been specializing. So tell us a little bit about that company, and you know, kind of the branch off of your you know uh, uh, consulting and coaching. Sure. Practice. You still do a little bit of coaching oh, consulting, yeah. is that yeah, right? Yeah, still my yeah. primary business. And then, yep. And then and then Home Pro is kind of a new direction. Yeah. So What was the impetus around that? So I've always wanted to um, scale up my coaching and consulting firm, and. Yeah. Um, and the fact of the matter is I'm a solo parent and I, I, being a good parent is really important to me. Being a really great mm. mom to my, to my sweet son is just really, really important yeah. to me. And I didn't want to be an absentee parent, you know, going back to those roots of seeing my mom, you know, making some sacrifices for us and staying home right. and, and being right. there for us. I wanted, I wanted to continue that proponent of the legacy, even though I intended to be a working mother, I wanted still to, to be present for my son. And, um, yeah, yeah. really important. And I, I didn't want to, lots of things I could delegate and parenting was not one of them. So it was not one that I was willing to delegate. So I, um, I've kept my practice, you know, on the smaller side and I wanted something that was truly scalable. And Hmm. over the course of my seven years of my coaching uh, practice and my consulting, I developed just a really comprehensive vault of content that drives significant growth and change for business owners. Hmm. And I've, I've known for a long time that the vault wasn't we'll say finished, <laughs> that it's, right. it's something that, you know, all these beautiful presentations and so on that I can certain, certainly teach and train from and teach others to teach, et cetera. But it wasn't something that was easily consumable and it wasn't digital. So mm. last year I said, you know, what would it take for me to make this something that we could that could be consumable. And there are lots of other coaches and mentors out there who create programs and run programs that are actually quite excellent, but that's just not the way that my people, that I serve my people. Now, especially when I'm coaching privately, you know, someone will have an issue. Let's say, for example, something I'm sure so many people can relate to, like they need to give constructive feedback to a, to a underperforming employee. Okay. That's something we all have to do. It happens. And there's an easy formula, criticism sandwich, super easy formula. And I teach it to them in you know five minutes and I give them the worksheet and voila, they're equipped, right? They're ready. Mm-hmm. They go do it. Yeah. And it was one uh, weekend around this time last year that I was chatting with a good friend of mine and I had this blinding flash of the obvious that instead <laughs> of building out all these heavy, long courses that my ideal client, so the small to mid-sized business owner in the home improvement space, just doesn't watch or or they just don't get as much out of. Why not build a content library that's mm. predicated on the way that I already teach? Hence the toolbox. Hence the toolbox. So yeah. I broke down all of my content into super bite-sizable pieces. And um, instead of, you know, there there's a thoughtful design behind them all. And if you watch them from start to finish... It is like a course, but they're right. each independent of each other. Yeah, so yeah. small bits, small bits, yeah. right? Five to seven yeah. minutes on average. Mm. Sometimes you get a long one at 13 minutes or, or 17 minutes. Right. But um, And there are certainly concepts that are interrelated that require fundamental information. So if you're going to use this technique, you got to know that technique first. Right. So we, we point back and forth to each other. Yeah. And so, we, and this is all online, so it's all digital. subscribable. Yep, it's yeah. a it's a subscription Fabulous. model, and there's right. three different levels where you can get sales and marketing support, um, or you can get 
upgrade to our, our media, our middle, middle level, which is gives you access to all of our templates. So those yeah. are job descriptions and an employee handbook and all the right. worksheets you need to run those, you know, where you're talking about goal setting and knowing your financials right. and knowing where your expected sales are going to be coming from and your marketing planning and all that stuff. We've got everything. And, um, and we, and what a great time to launch yeah. too. I mean, during the pandemic when we've all kind of gone remote right. and, you know, are looking for more tools to do things in a different way. Yep. Fabulous. Yep. And it's been yeah. a really fun ride. So we soft launched in um, Black Friday of last year with 109 <laughs> okay. tools. The concept was wow. created in August of last year and we just yeah. pedaled to the metal, created the brand, put everything created the content. I have an incredible team supporting me. So that makes me look good. Um, And at this point, we're almost up to 300 tools in the toolbox and just launched our flagship website. And we're at about 60 members. So we're just chugging chugging right along. We're going to, we just launched our marketing plan. And the intention is we're going to be bold and we're going to work to get to a thousand members by the end of the year. Wow. So, fantastic. Yeah. Well, congrats on that success Thanks. and wishing you the very best moving forward. Thanks. That's just, just awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, we're just about out of time, but we always ask our guests one last question, Madeline, and that's you know, what kind of career life advice would you give someone, particularly a female someone, mm-hmm. you know, who maybe has that entrepreneurial tendency yep. and, you know, wants to be their own boss someday? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say two big things. The first thing is to find something that lights your heart up. Make sure you're going to get, this is like a child to you, right? You are going to give this years of your life. You are going to give this time. You are going to give this attention. And if you build it right, it will return to you with a beautiful ROI. But you're going to devote a significant amount of yourself to this. So make sure that it's something that you love enough to sacrifice for. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that would be it. And the other thing that I would say is advice that you see printed on some of those, uh, you know, little, little quippy little magnets and so on is, <laughs> is leap and the net will appear. Sometimes mm. the biggest thing you have to do is just to do it and yeah. just to take that leap of faith. And when you make your full commitment and you say, I'm in, I'm doing it, it might be bumpy. You might stumble. Yeah. You might, you know, but you're going to stumble forward. You're going to stumble in a moving forward direction. Right. But when you're in motion, you can, you can make correction. If you stay in park, you can't navigate from park. <laughs> you don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Oh, I love it. Yep. Well, Madeline McCray, president of MM McCray Coaching and Consulting and founder and CEO of Home Pro Toolbox. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.